<coughs> you can like I, yeah, it doesn't I, 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 as many takes as you want. Like doesn't matter. We have the thing we have to remember is that like even though it's recording, we can't care that it's recording. Right. Right. It has to just be like there. We have to get really comfortable with the microphone, being <laughs> on, which is weird. You yeah, get because you got to forget that it's there, kind of. Yeah, you just have to forget that. You just got to talk. Yeah. You just got to just got to shoot the shit, man, you know? <laughs> yeah, so just give it a shot and like see how it sounds. Okay. And you can do it whatever. And I'll just cut the piece out that we want. Nice. All right. Hello and welcome to Wait, say that again. A once-in-a-while podcast where two brothers attempt, despite our best interests, to further our understanding of the world and examine what it means to be friends, family, and young adults in the 21st century. I'm Joey, alongside my brother Charles. Welcome to our first episode. Uh, let's just... Let's just start with uh, with who we are. So, who are you? Um, this well, isn't I'm, supposed I'm, to be a yeah, hard yeah, question. This is supposed to be hard. We're just telling yeah. the people who are listening to this, which is probably just going to be like our, our moms. moms. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. who, we're at, who we are. But pretend like no one knows who you are. Who okay. are you? Yeah, I'm Joey McCracken. Oh, I'm we're going a- last names on the podcast? Oh, we're going last names on the podcast. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm Joey McCracken. I'm an avid hater of technology and all things that accompany <laughs> strong it. Start. Okay. Strong start. Strong um, start. Let's see. I Let's just in, go with the basics. With the basics. You're in college. Yes, I go to college at Southern Illinois University. You're a I'm sophomore. a sophomore studying sports administration. I'm 20 years old. You're 20 years old. 20 years old. And uh, I'm five years older than you are. My name's Charles. Mm-hmm. I work in the political consulting industry, and I live in our home city of Little Rock, Arkansas. Which you now—I'm the only one of our family who doesn't live here anymore. Who does still live here? Everyone else has moved out. Correct. We've got a younger brother who's up in Michigan with our mom in the Upper Peninsula, the Upers, and um, we're like semi-close together, I guess, comparatively to um, to where. To where they are, at least. And so we just kind of wanted to uh, try this podcast idea. We've been, like, throwing the idea around for a couple of months. But sometimes we have interesting conversations, you know. So Yeah, and we're finally in the same space because we're recording this between Christmas and New Year's while you're here because you came down to Little Rock to pick up a car. Mm-hmm. Finally, you, you got rid of that old beater. Subaru, yeah. Kind of ran it into the How ground. How many houses does it have now? Only like two hundred thousand for a Subaru, Dang, which isn't crazy. bad, but we've had to replace yeah, half beat the, the parts. Shit out of it. To be fair, yeah. Are we swearing on the podcast? You know, maybe, maybe we just like do it. We can bleep it out or something like that. I don't want to. Don't have put that much bleep effort technology. Into it. No, we have the technology. Um, so yeah, we're just we're gonna try this out. This is episode one, um, and the thing that I'm honestly like the most interested in with this idea is just like. We don't have a formalized way of, like, occupying the same space together anymore. Because we don't live together anymore. No. And, like, we're not really going to get on Zoom all the time or, like, FaceTime or whatever. Because you work pretty late. I work during the day. Work crazy hours. Charlie's up um, early and I'm up late. I'm a night shift janitor, so. Yeah, it just that. doesn't really line up. You and I just don't really get a whole yeah. lot of time together. And then they're so far north 
our family that they have a one hour time difference so it's yeah. just but in terms of you and me like it's just just not a whole lot of time together but we really enjoy the conversations that we have at least i've really enjoyed them yeah especially about some stuff that you've been like studying and stuff that i'm like encountering in the world and so i'm hoping that this is kind of just a space where you and i can like hash out some ideas or some thoughts or just like catch up and stuff um, and I think we have like a variety of different formats that Definitely. we could totally do. So we, you want to discuss some of the ones that we've come up with? Yeah. So um, initially what we're thinking about today um, is sign stealing in Major League Baseball because it's a prevalent topic as of recent years, but also... But like back up a little it, bit. Like why is, that some, like why is that discussion something that we want to have together? We want to have the discussion, I think, because it's not just about baseball it's also about capitalism yeah. in sports and the the, the Which crossing is something you're dealing with a lot a lot and um because that's my major mm. and i'm questioning whether i even want to go into it because right. you know but like even on a broader scale that format is interesting that, that kind of conversation is something we're interested in having because it will just be a launch point for a larger discussion right exactly so like one of the formats we're kind of thinking about is like Okay, so you're going to talk about sign stealing in Major League Baseball, and then that conversation could evolve into whatever else. Whatever. And so we're just kind of finding a jumping-off point that we think would be interesting. Sure, because that can that can evolve into how uh, rock and roll was really just rhythm and blues, and the white man capitalized <laughs> off sure, of it. Sure, sure. You know. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this, we'll just we'll just kind of see where these where these discussions go. But that's one idea we have. Another one we're thinking about. It's sort of like a more guided, like, let's watch a movie or listen to something else or read a book or something and then discuss it. Um, but, like, in a way where we're, you know, for the people who are listening to this, um, hello, audience, like, we would want it to be something where you can you can jump in um, and, you know, maybe not have read it but still get something out of the discussion. So either way, I think no matter what format that we're doing, we're, I'm hoping that it leads to the same place, right? Which is like just a, an open-ended conversation about what the hell is going on right now in the world yeah. and how we fit into it. Because exactly. it's honestly like, I, we don't have an outlet for that anymore. No, we don't. And with all the things that are going on in society, it's going to help, I think, to have an outlet. I think so too. Well, um, so we're going to do our, our first topic momentarily, sign stealing in Major League Baseball. We'll see where that ends up. Um, but first, we're going to jump to a quick ad break, and we'll see you in a second. All right, sounds good. This episode is brought to you by Existential Climate Anxiety Incorporated. Our friends at ECA Inc. strive to provide affordable counseling to all people with fully developed prefrontal cortexes. Terrified that you'll never inherit your grandparents' beachside cottage because it's home to a new coral reef? Having trouble explaining to your boss that a 401k won't be important in 50 years because it was 70 degrees on Christmas this year? ECA has the resources you need to live with minimal climate anxiety and maintain the illusion that your decision to use cloth bags at Walmart is making a difference. Go to www.imscared.gov for a list of approved counselors in your area and use our code GLACIALMELT for 15% off your first month. 
That's G-L-A-C-I-A-L-M-E-L-T.com. Thank you, and get back to the podcast. like jump in and start talking about that like before you get into the talking about the baseball yeah like talk about talk about your worry about that like about your opinion being like too invasive polarized because that's important that we talk about sure let them know yeah so go for it yeah what is it that concerns you yeah so normally we'll be talking together and we're going to try to do our best to just have a conversation between charlie and i but this is the one time i'll address you as the audience and I want to address you as the audience because uh, I have some radical beliefs on some things. And I don't think you need to qualify it by like putting a label on it. I think you can just say, like, I mean, from what you just said a second ago, what you just said to me was like, I'm worried that I'm going to push yeah. my opinion on other yeah. people. But like, that's this is not like an opinion podcast. This so is not speak. an opinion. This is a, but this it's is just a shooting the breeze podcast. We're just very, talking. Yeah, right. And so it's a natural part of like the opinion coming up. Right. I'm not going to apologize for the opinions that I have. Yeah. That's fair. But it's, I mean, it's, I understand the concern. Yeah, it's okay. I'm just like, there are things. Maybe just read a disclaimer. Read a a disclaimer. Disclaimer. The following opinions. Spicy opinions. Spicy opinions. (laughs) Let us know if you want to turn, let us to turn that into a hot sauce. Hot sauce (laughs) opinions. Hot sauce opinions. That's the next one. Habanero opinions. (laughs) Okay, well, we can put some of that in if we want to, but let's just jump into the topic now. So, All right. Um, so, how do we just work? Not like, oh. not, oh, we're back, we're back from break, but let me just, uh... Hello I'll and just, welcome to the, and hello and welcome again to the podcast you accidentally put on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And now um, you're stuck. Well, let me just ask a question, right? I'll just, like, start it off with a question. Perfect. Okay, so... Sign stealing in the MLB specifically. I have no idea what this is at all. So, like, I'm going to need you to start with this at a big picture view. Explain, like, I'm five years old. Okay, gotcha. And this is based on a paper that you wrote last This is. This is based on a uh, Unit 4 English 101 paper that I wrote comparing sources about baseball, ethics, capitalism, all of the above. Okay. So what... What is, number one, what is sign stealing? So, sign stealing in Major League Baseball is, first of all, contrary to popular belief, I think, not prohibited. It's actually encouraged. The uh, 1900 Phillies actually ran an electrical wire down the middle of center field. But what is it? At a yeah. base? Like, what has it function? I don't even know what this is you're talking okay, about. Okay, so, in baseball. I don't follow baseball. Right, in baseball, yeah. That's probably a good, good place to start. In baseball, every kind of... Uh, sign that that they're using which are hand motions a touch of the cap a slap of the butt cheek literally um they (laughs) (laughs) i mean that was a high school coach but um shout out to you coach pacini um literally have been used since the dawn of baseball because baseball is played like a game of chess you know it's it's an intellectual game as just as much as communication that's happening internally to a team internally to a team but also it's happening between the coaches that are on the field because you have a third base coach and a first base coach and normally the first base coach will whisper in your ear when you're over there but the third base coach is 
primarily the one that's giving the directions. But that direction comes from the dugout. So the sign mm -hmm. starts and it's like a game of telephone, but it's all sign language, but sign language made up by the so team So this itself. is how like the coach and the dugout communicates with the, the, guy, the guy in the box. Or the guy in the box. And also the outfielder. But nowadays they have um, little like cards in their caps because the, com the, the signs have become so complex that you have to like remember you have like a key. You've got a key, and not only do you have so a key, you have positions. Why don't, why don't we just do like what the NFL does and have like they have like radios in their so helmets, yeah they right? have radios and that's prohibited. Okay. Because the MLB did outline that although like sign stealing is okay, quote unquote, it is also prohibited to use electronic electronic devices. The Red Sox got in trouble with that in 2018 for using Apple watches. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so go ahead. So broad overview. When we didn't have all this technology, it was, you know, kind of broadly accepted that people were going to try to steal your signs. It was encouraged. So you have the dugout coach, that's literally a position in baseball, and their job is to watch the third base coach and try to, like, decipher the signs. Because if you can know a pitch is coming, that takes so much so guesswork the, the, out of baseball. the opposite team is trying to figure out, like, the... What pitch the is coming? The code book. The code book. Essentially. Exactly. For the other team. Yeah. So that they can say, okay, this is about to be like an off speed. This is about to be a fastball. He's about to steal. And in, in baseball, that couple hundred, that not even a hundredth of a millisecond matters so much when it comes down to stealing second base or stuff like that. I mean, outfield positioning, yeah. everything. It's all dependent on that sign. So that's why sign stealing is so important in baseball. Got it. Yeah. But the broad overview point is that, and the reason we're talking about You've this. You've got your paper. Right I here, do have right? my okay, paper. Cool. Yeah, I totally reference it. I'm interested to see like pieces of it. Even yeah. if you want to read like a paragraph or whatever. Sure. The, there's a famous manager, Bobby Valentine, who managed a plethora of teams, uh, three at the major league at a level, one in Japan, I believe. Um, and his niece said that about a, a really big scandal – uh, it wasn't the Giants' shame. It wasn't shame on the Giants for stealing the signs. It's shame on the Dodgers for allowing them to. Mm. So I think that's a big, a big point in baseball is that it's as much a defensive game. About so this is like an accepted part of competition. Accepted part of competition, but in recent years it's kind of been breached. I mm. think the the people have thought that the ethical part of it has been breached because that we're using new technology and it's being used in massive games that a lot is weighing on it and not just you know the magnitude of the game itself and the fan base but also the monetary gain that you get from winning a championship mm. and the MLB is not finding the teams enough to have it be enough like enough of an incentive to stop stealing signs because if you win a world series you can easily pay that little fine and slap on the wrist yeah like whatever it is like fifty thousand who cares man who cares yeah. i mean it could be a million it doesn't matter yeah and then the fact that the mlb has no salary cap also plays into that so it's kind of like how oil tankers can get um can get fined for like accidentally dropping oil in the ocean yeah but it doesn't matter because they're you're carrying a you know billion, billion dollar, dollar franchise load yeah. you can just pay the you know 20 million and yeah. be fine and this it's is why cheaper to pay the fine than it is to change your practice, which makes you more money. Exactly. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm tracking with you. Yeah. So what's going on with it these days? You said there was a scenario where someone ran a wire. 
So yeah, we a lot of people think that this new technology is um, a you know a newfangled thing, but you know over a hundred years ago, the Phillies in the year 1900 ran a wire down center field mm-hmm. with a buzzer, and there was somebody in the center field stand with a telescope reading the catcher's signs and sending a buzzer like to Morse the Phillies, code? like Morse code. Wow! And it was only found out because the opposing team tripped over the wire and they originally thought it was tree roots in the field they didn't bury the wire it was just like on the grass they didn't bury it that well I don't apparently think. not yeah but we also wear metal spikes in baseball so you're always you know tearing up the that's uh, crazy the dirt oh yeah it's so the wire was what going back to the pitching coach or going back to the the batting it was going i think what? it was going to one of the coaches and the coaches was re the co- one of the coaches was relaying that to the uh batter in the box Got it. but um, and that is outlawed. You can't do that. You can't do that anymore. Got it. Um, I, I think you're allowed to pick off the signs, but you can't relay them electronically. Sure. So, so you I, can th- yell strike, but it's like yeah. Well, you could yell <laughs> curveball, but who's gonna really believe you? You know, there's sixteen thousand angry Yankee fans yelling that all at once. Sure. Um, but th- this has shown up multiple times. Um, I think it was the 1961 uh, Giants and Dodgers pennant that the uh, shot heard around the world, which is a huge home run hit by Bobby Thompson. That oppo- supposedly was a picked off sign and it sent them to the World Series. So this is not a new thing, but only in recent years has it become a very big topic in baseball, in the baseball world. And that's because of what the Houston Astros did in 2017, which is banging on trash cans. In, wow! In order to full circle, full we've, circle. Gone from we've gone running wire to banging to on. banging on trash cans. <laughs> I know, right? Um, they were banging on trash cans um, and letting the people know, letting the batters know what pitch was coming. Mm. And this was happening throughout the entire postseason. And Jose Altuve hit a walk-off home run mm-hmm. uh, to send the uh, Houston Astros to the World Series, and this was against the New York Yankees, and as much as I don't like the Yankees being a Boston Red Sox fan, I do feel sympathy for them in this scenario. Um, and when he hits this walk-off home run, uh, if you know anything about baseball, you, you you round the bases and you come back and your team's there and they're going to mob you and they're going to try to rip your jersey off. Well, he didn't let them rip his jersey off because they everybody thought that he had a buzzer on his chest that he, they were running a wire, and that's how they were getting the signs to him because somebody bangs on a trash can, but they were also, there were also people looking at screens in the dugout, in the clubhouse, trying to pick these signs off, and then they would run an electronic buzzer. They were watching the, like, the live feed of the, the game? They were watching the live feed, but they were also have literal analysts. Like The MLB is such a big corporation that each team can employ so many, so many employees. And so... At a certain point, you literally hire somebody who's a code cipher, and his only job is to go back in the video room and look at footage and try to decipher the other team's signals. And then he's reading that. He's, like, radioing that back to... He's not the one radioing it. He's the one figuring it out. Somebody completely different is doing that, so he's disconnected from the actual... The actual... So he's watching, like, a cut of the catcher yeah, showing a sign. That, or he's, or he's done this previously, because teams have, like, four sets of signs that they, four sets of signs that they run through, and they'll change them in the middle of the game. Sure. Because of this, because the cheating has become so bad 
But it's not cheating. It's but it's not quote unquote an accepted part. Of it's an accepted part of competition. And when and this really became bad when we allowed replay review in baseball. And, oh, interesting. And that's when so we started. So these analytics dudes are sitting there and they're catching more signs. They're catching more signs. They're knowing more about the game. I mean, it's it's become to a point where it's almost not fun to watch baseball anymore. You Why? know. Be, well, because you not only have this sign stealing, so you don't know if he actually is just a good hitter or if he just got tipped off. But the, in, in addition, but isn't, to, the mar- isn't the margin of error like so small? You have hitting about a ball that you like, about, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you have about a third of a second to react. Okay, well, we'll come back to that later. Baseball. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So, all this being said, it's it's become an ethical issue at this point. And there's recent allegations against Major League Baseball itself that says that they're using baseballs that travel farther on Sunday afternoon primetime TV and then, like, you know, Monday through Friday when it's just on your local channel, they just use the regular, regular baseballs. How and, does that work? Well, it's just they're tampering with the way that the baseballs are made. I'm not sure the particulars of it, but it's, it's a... How does that relate to sign... Sorry, continue. That doesn't relate to sign stealing. That relates to the capitalism of it. Okay. Well, come back, let's come yeah. back to this other... I want to finish the discussion on the sign stealing first. Sure, sure. So, it's an accepted part of... The recap that I've got is it's an accepted part of the game. Sure. Right? Yep. It's been happening for centuries, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's now become such an important part of being competitive... That it's become like an institutionalized part of competition to the point that clubs have sign readers mm-hmm. who are trying to like cipher the code yeah. that the people that people it's are It's become using. a game of information. And which I mean very interesting. I, I think How I much does it actually influence the like the result of a game? Well, everybody I mean, a game can turn on one pitch in baseball you know and that's mm. that's the key is that in in football it can do the same thing but not not as much you know hail marys rarely work but there's a so many home runs hit in baseball and they're they're the, the numbers of home runs are increasing in the year in, in the past couple of years we're breaking records every year on how many home runs are hit each year because people are getting better at reading pitches or we're getting stronger or the balls are being peppered and the doctored you know so but it's it's a lot of sign stealing going on, and that has affected the game in a in a dramatic way. So, talk to me about the ethics of sign stealing. Why is why is re, if it's an accepted part of competition and everyone does it, why isn't that why why is it ethically gray or what's the ethical issue? The ethical issue is that you're not the talk ML- to me about this from your perspective, and then talk to me about it from the perspective of the MLB. Okay, so my perspective is that. Sign stealing should be kept to a rudimentary uh, level. There should be a line in the sand. Mm-hmm. You know, we so should no guy in the back room. So no guy in the back room with a reader. But what can you do about that? Mm-hmm. But I think that it should be completely up to the people in the dugout. You know, with a pen and paper, if you're trying to do that, whatever. But no, no sitting back and trying to decipher codes and stuff like that. Because this is, at the end of the day, it's a game. And people don't pay to go watch some dude in the back room cipher a sign. Well, apparently they do. Appar- <laughs> exactly. But yeah. we don't want that. What, as, a, as, as a true baseball it, fan, we, we want to watch yeah. that person guess whether it's a fastball or a curveball or a slider or whatever. You know, we want to see the talent of the player, not the talent of the code cipher. So your argument is that 
when these code ciphers are allowed to be a part of the game to the level that they influence it now, it's somehow a less pure version of the game than it would than it would be if yeah. they were just allowed. Yeah, to and there's a good chance it. after this podcast goes out that Rob Manifred's going to get in my back ear and say, "Now listen to me." This is not, he's the commissioner of Major League Baseball. You know, he's yeah. been trying to hey, slip Rob. it under the rug. Hey, Rob, <laughs> you're not going to get me to stop talking about this. <laughs> so you back this up, though. I mean, you played baseball for how many years? I mean, well, we have a picture of uh, you holding our, my uh, Sam, little brother, and when he was just born, and I on one side of the couch, and I'm on the other side of the couch. And, you know, with a year and nine months with a baseball and a baseball glove. Yeah. Like, so you've been playing baseball yeah, for 18 my, years, yeah, roughly. Yeah, probably you've about been obsessed that. With obsessed it with it, yeah. And you played competitively. We should have done this at the beginning, but you played competitively since you were what six? T-ball. Played T-ball and then hiatus because we played. We did taekwondo for a while. Yeah. But then back when I was nine years old, and uh, so basically nine to nineteen. Yeah, nine Ten. to nine to nine to yeah. You were 19 when you quit. 18. 18. 18. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, not when I quit, but when high school ended. High school ball ended. Yeah. So nine years of competitive baseball. Sure. Yeah. You played in the Cal Ripken World Series, which yep. is a minor league. It's like the private version of the minor, the little league. World yeah. League the only difference league. is that we play with bigger fences and leadoffs, not like the, uh, you know, tiny little kids. I remember that, are... that. That was crazy. We went down to Aberdeen, Maryland. Aberdeen, Maryland. Yeah. They have like a, they have uh, replicas of the major league stadiums but they're little league which is i think is really cool and you know they got a camden yards which is Baltimore what was it that Royals. we went for did we go to regionals down south in louisiana yeah yeah and then aberdeen was the was the world was series Colorado. and you played against like japan we played against australia those guys were big <laughs> i'm 12 you're 12 <laughs> yeah, yeah right okay big 12 year old big 12 six foot four 12 so it's all to say though that you have a perspective on this from as a player that sure it, it like mars the i mean i've been the dude trying to steal the signs you know mm-hmm. and we and i mean i've not to name names but i've been a part of teams where you use like the last name is an off-speed pitch and when they yell your number it's a fastball so they get hey mccracken and then you know a curveball's coming or you know Hey, number nineteen, and you know a fastball's coming, because the coach has picked off the signs. Like one coach in particular that really liked to do that, and we—I mean, I almost—he, but he would walk up to you, and he—he he had some kind of like ethical thing about it because he'd walk up to you and say, "Hey, do you want me to let you know?" You know, oh, so it was—it was your decision because some kids. Did you say yes or no? Um, I think I said yes like once, and then I was—I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm playing high school ball. Like, I'm not—not not a lot is riding on this. I'm not going to play in college. I just kind of want to like swing for the fences, regardless. And I don't really need to know what's coming, you know." Well, there's certain guys on the team that would say yes. Every oh time. yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, they hit for average. They hit really well. They hit better than you did. Oh yeah, definitely. Just because you know it's going to be a half inch lower or, or faster. Well, you know the slower. you know the curve of it. You know you know when the when the timing of the pitch is. You're sitting there in the batter's box and in the on deck circle waiting for your at bat. Well, was that a policy? Like, other teams did it too, so that's why we did it. You know, it's a. But the policy was. You, you're the one who decides if you want to know. You're the one that decides if you want to know, exactly. Interesting. Which I, I think is good, but... And I'm sure Were there teams that you were aware of that, like, all of their players were required to take that information? Quite frankly, I don't know. Yeah. Because if they did, they were probably pretty good at it. Yeah. You know, baseball in the South is a crazy, crazy thing. Um, 
you know, you look at SEC schools, the Southeastern Conference and football. Well, it's the same thing in baseball. It is the, one of the premier leagues to play in. You know, you look at the yeah. Arkansas baseballs, you look at the Alabama baseballs, even Vanderbilt baseball is incredible. You know, that's where Joey Abraham went. Yeah, yeah. and you're looking. I mean, they they draft players every single year. The Dan, Dansby Swanson who just won the World Series. He was drafted first round, maybe number one overall pick. You know, if not in the top five from Vanderbilt. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So. You talked about your perspective on it that that by using sign stealing you are like muddying the water of competition, so to speak, right? Like when, it's it's not you're not competing in the way that the game was maybe envisioned. Exactly, and that's the thing. And and it is a different game nowadays, but mm-hmm. we still use the same fundamentals. The game has not changed all that much. Replay review has allowed us to get the calls right. Is that the only sport that does that? No, football implemented it as well. Now, football is like the opposite. They have a guy in the top of the stadium with a radio talking to the quarterback. Yeah, right? yeah. But he's not – they're not so much as sign-stealing. They're – They're only like calling plays. They're calling plays because there's an offensive coordinator like the and coordinate- a defensive coordinator. Yeah, and the, the quarterback's not making any decisions about how the plays are going to Well, that depends on the level of the quarterback. Tom Brady makes a lot of decisions. But, you know, brand new, right off the line – Person, he's getting called in. He's getting called in, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, we don't really know exactly how much of what. And there's also, in football, you have option passes. So that means they call a play where it's the quarterback's option. You know? And so there's a bunch like of... Depending on how the field looks. Depending yeah. on how the field looks, depending on how the defense is lining up. Football is much more uh, chess in a split-second. Baseball is like... God, football is crazy. Fo- yeah. I mean, we could have. We're, I think we should do an episode... On concussions, you know, I think sure. that's that's a great yeah. one. Um, okay, so talk to me about this from the MLB's perspective. Why are they? How much are they regulating this? I mean, I could just do a PSA from the MLB. You know, you just do a um, a simple Rob Manfred. You know, this is not affecting the game whatsoever. It has always been here. We have it under control. We find the appropriate parties, and you don't have to worry. Come back. Somebody, play some lawyer wrote that. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, undoubtedly. So, but, but you know, for worth, real though, how much are they regulating it? No, they're like nothing. So they're regulating it, but but like we said, it comes back to the fact that they're they you can't find a team enough, you know, because the teams that are doing this are not the Oakland Athletics with the tiniest payrolls in Major League Baseball. They're the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros. You know, these are big corporate uh, spenders. And not only in the free agency market, but on their stadiums and on their facilities and everything. And so it comes back to the point that the MLB has just not swept it under the table, but it's it's not being valued enough as something that's corrupting the game. Mm. And that's what it comes down to. So do they regulate more certain teams at a different level than other teams? Do you know? They, so... Like... Are the Oakland A's getting more, getting called on this more than the so Yankees? Right now, it's a, they're trying to regulate cheating over just just cheating in general. But and this isn't considered cheating. This isn't considered. See, it's that's why it's a gray area because it's it's legal to steal signs, but it's illegal to use foreign advanced technology. So my question is, when so does it become? For an advanced technology. So they're just, they're just like not looking at the method, but they're okay with the result. Exactly. No, it's the opposite. They're okay with the result, 
but they're not looking at the method by which they're they're look they're trying yeah they're not looking they're not looking closely enough at how they get there right exactly but they know it's happening exactly right now they're looking they're checking pictures for foreign substance because that's been like a big wires problem. and Apple no watches. no like uh pine tar on your oh, hands okay. to try to get a little bit yeah but that's what that's what but it's, it's not a whole different thing because their focus on that is taking away from their focus on sign stealing in in these new you know crazy ways because they literally they're checking almost every picture that comes off the mound and that's what the umpires are worried about that's what the mlb is worried about is foreign substance abuse of of pine tar and stuff. which just makes you be able to throw faster Get a better grip on the ball. Yeah, I mean, throw faster curveballs. I mean, doesn't that just make the game more enjoyable though? If the, pa- if the pitches are faster, it makes the game more enjoyable for the defense, most definitely. <laughs> but that's but, but the, that's boring. You to know, watch, cheating right? cheating in baseball has been going on for so long. Like Yogi Berra, famous catcher for the New York Yankees, he used to wear a spike on his right ankle, and there was one pitcher that could throw a, like a screwball, which is a ball where you you throw it's just really really weird. I don't know. I can't even throw it. But it's a lot like a faster knuckleball where it just kind of like moves around the strike zone and jiggles and you don't know where it's going to go. But then you need a slit in the ball, like an like a actual slit. And so he would wear a spike and he'd, he'd like catch the ball and then accidentally drop it and then pick it up. And as he picked it up, he'd, he'd cut the, the, the ball on, his, on the spike on his ankle and then throw it back to the pitcher. And the pitcher would just dominate for the rest of the inning. I mean, the average lifespan of a baseball in Major League Baseball is seven pitches because they're so worried about that. Seven pitches, seven pitches. and then it's done? The, that's the average one, you know, because if a ball is hit on the ground, it's thrown out of play because it could have been scuffed by the dirt. If a ball is dropped, if it, if it's thrown Where are all these baseballs ending up? Um, normally, they just give them away. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's ridiculous. No, yeah, They're I giving mean... giving away... How many baseballs? That's like 100 baseballs a game or something. Yeah, I mean, we could look up the statistic right now. It's, it's ridiculous. There's... So many baseballs, but then I mean, a baseball is hit out of play. You know, that's that's like a, a sure. general souvenir that you get at, ba- at uh, baseball games. You know, but okay. So the so the MLB isn't regulating this very much. They are more concerned about other aspects of the sport. But what is it? Why is it? A, why is it a problem? Like, if you have to sell this to somebody, like, sure. Why is this a thing we should be concerned about with baseball? Right. It's for maybe for the person that only watches the world series it's not as big of a problem right? so for the casual fan for the casual fan it's not as big of a problem because they you know the you're just like oh that's that's cool um or they may not even be aware they of might it. not even be aware of it but for the people that watch baseball avid viewers people avid consumption consumers of baseball itself mm-hmm. we want to see the talent of the players and we want to hear the commentary from the people that are talking about their talent, their talents, in a way that impacts the game, but there is, there's no, there's no way for that to be true if this is going on. Like you can say that about defensive players, and you can say that. Wait, say that again. There's no way for us to be sure that these people are actually talented. Got it. Because they're getting their signs stolen, and they're get they're stealing signs and knowing what pitch is coming, like. The so whole this Jose obfuscates talent. It, it, yeah, yeah, I mean, Jose Altuve was known as a great second baseman for a very long time. Mm. And then he had a crazy run in the 2017 playoffs. Is known for wanting to wear, for wearing this wire. The MLB, quote-unquote, found no evidence, but you can easily go on the internet and find pictures of him with a wire taped to his chest. And it's, it, and then the next season he just starts absolutely, like, 
not like crapping the bed, you know, part of my French, but actually not like hitting a buck 95 right under 200. Why? And that's just not acceptable. You can't, there's some kind of, you don't have that baseball players go in slumps, but you don't do, you don't just go into a slump like that for that long and not break out of it. You just, it just doesn't happen. And it's just absurd to me that we can kind of brush this under the table because sign stealing, and we're go, I'll go back to my opinion a little bit, sign stealing is supposed to be something that gives you an edge every once in a while. It's supposed to be something that you can steal every once in a while, but no way should you be knowing what's coming every single pitch. Because that's not the point of hitting a baseball. That's not the point of baseball. Yeah. There's a game of chess going on between the pitcher and the batter. That's the game of baseball. And the defense is there if the batter gets the best of the pitcher. And that's just not what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and the MLB has had to implement time in between pitches because games are lasting so long nowadays that because they're going out to the mound and they're changing signs halfway through the game. Or they're all taking these precautionary methods uh, in order to make sure that the signs aren't being stolen. Yeah. And therefore, people are getting angry. The viewers, me as a viewer, we're getting angry because it takes forever to watch a baseball game. The average baseball game was under two hours 50 years ago, and now you, they, they're three, three and a half hours, even if we don't go into extra innings. Which is more time for ads, by the way. Which is more time for ads. So right back to the capitalism thing. So let's talk about that. I took a couple of notes here sure. while you're talking. I Here are the notes I got down. And we can just pick and choose which one of these we want to talk about. But I've got this being accepted part of competition versus ethics. That at a wider scale. Yeah. Play, you know, like what, it, what, what this looks like in the context of the wider reality of especially corporations having to pay fines or change their behavior. Right when they're caught, um, the reality that like bigger spenders, right, don't get regulated because they contribute so much to a marketplace. Sure. Right. Yep. And so we're like consciously deciding to let things slide because of the fact that there's so much money coming in, and then that really leads to the last point here that money and the ability to capitalize on the sport has fundamentally resulted in changing the game exactly and i think that's the big one so let's talk you're about, right that. about that yeah How do, so let's draw that line really explicitly so we're on the same page so what we're saying what you're saying is that and tell me where i'm wrong here sure <clears throat> what you're saying is that because knowing which pitch is coming is such an advantage that it's worth investing time and energy and money into being able to determine that and tell the player and that provides such a competitive advantage that everyone is doing that right because when you win major championships how much are people i don't even know how much i don't know the exact figure but i mean but how much is someone winning who is on team who wins a world series i i i quite frankly don't want to speak because i don't i don't know the exact number and i don't want to say it wrong but winning a world series makes you more likely to win another world series because as a player, you do get a bonus. There's and you a, get a better team, and you get a better you get better teams. Um, you're more likely to be re-signed with by the how players. How much is that are a, how much agency. is like a huge contract for a player? So that's the thing is that because there's no salary cap, that number has just been increasing in the past ten years. Who's when the highest out, paid baseball player right now? The highest. I, that's probably this off season has determined that, and the MLB is in 
is in a on a work strike right now. Believe it or not, like they're really? not on the a work strike. Not on a work strike. They're in a they're in a, a a lockout right now. So no players can sign. And um, with new teams, and it's partly because there's no salary cap, and the MLBPA, the MLB Players Association, has not reached an agreement with the MLB. The MLB is trying to put a salary cap on. Um, it's trying to put a salary cap on the MLB, on the players, but the players are saying, I don't want a salary cap. I want to be able to make as much as I can. Um, but this offseason alone, people are signing for $300 million contracts or contracts yeah, that... Corey Sager just signed for a 10-year, $325 million contract. Exactly. And and then Max Scherzer's on that list as well. $130 million for three years. Yeah, so that's insane. I that's mean, That's like, what is... I don't even... One it's thirteen divided by four, yeah. So like, <laughs> we're, we're looking, looking at, at 40, 40 million dollar plus contracts a per year. year per year. And when the highest paid player in the MLB was a guy who lives in Little Rock now, like you know a, a decade ago, a decade and a half, and that was Cliff Lee, the pitcher, and he was the highest player played player at the MLB, and that was twenty nine and a half million. So it's almost jumped ten million since then. You're looking at forty three million dollars a year. Max, yeah, and granted, I mean he is easily, if not, yeah. So, uh, suffice the it to best say, there's the a lot of money in baseball. There's a lot of money in baseball, and there's no salary cap, and they. So each pitch, which require the lights are flickering because there's a storm. That's funny. Um, each so which are where we draw this line back to the original discussion here is like because of the fact that. Each pitch is so critical to success. Yeah. It's really worth knowing which pitch it's going to be. And so, in order to make the most money, because they win the most games, the sport has transformed into this kind of scenario. It's transformed into a game of information instead of talent. And that's what, you know, that's what gets This is probably a little bit hyperbolic, but, like, that's, we're assuming that this is true. Exactly. We're assuming that this is like the, uh, this is the deciding factor, or this is an example of a factor. Right. Interesting. Now, granted, I will give it to the, I will give, a little bit of credit, to the fact that. The reason that they are that pitchers are trying are using these foreign substances and cheating, is to try to counteract that, try try to get an advantage on the batter that has an advantage. Okay. Because if you have a grip on the better grip on the ball, you can throw a faster pitch. You can throw a more spinning curve. So the game so maybe is getting you, harder. So the game is just getting harder, but it's getting harder not because the players are getting more talented. The pitchers definitely do throw harder than they did, you know, a hundred years ago. But the game itself is is becoming a different game of baseball. It's not the game of baseball. It's the so it's, it's a secular thing, right? Like because if you take away sign stealing. And you take away pine tar on hands, mm-hmm. then the game, which they've already taken away pine tar, that's sure. why they're ch- they're checking everybody. But the, the, theoretically, right when you when you take away these external factors beyond just you with a ball and me with a baseball bat, right, then the game becomes more distilled into com- into a place where the only thing that matters is talent. Right, and that's what that's what me. And uh, I think most avid baseball fans want to see. 
Mm. You know, and that, and then while we're on this topic of topic of capitalism and making more money, there's been allegations against the MLB for using baseballs that travel further in. Talk to me about this. How does this work so, at a physical level? So at a at a at a basic. So back up. Yeah, I, I cut you off. There, the accusation is that some games, primarily the primetime ESPN. So one like Sunday, Sunday night, night baseball, yeah. New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, you know, number one starter the, versus number one starter. The games that make more make money, more money, get on more advertising. On advertising yeah. That if there are more home runs hit, the MLB is going to make more because they're like, some dude calls up his friend and he's like, "This is a slugfest. Go watch this game right now," you know. And so, it's it's they're using. Hotter balls. That's the that's the term. Physically warm. Not that. So that has happened before, but that's not what happens now. It's something to do with how tight the ball is wound, because baseballs. If you've ever unwound a baseball, yeah. you've got a tiny little rubber ball in the middle, and that's wound by a bunch of string, and then there's yarn over that, and then you've got the Water actual the leather cowhide. Yeah. So, but if a ball is wound tighter, it bounces. It more. bounces more. It goes farther. If it's not wound as tight, it's more like you know you're hitting a tennis ball. You know, it's got some, it's got some give to it. Um, and so that means if let's assume this is true. Yeah. Right. Let's assume for a moment that this is true. That means that the MLB would be taking, would direct, be taking control. direct, they would, have, they would have direct influence on the outcome of those games because it's easier to score. Right. With a hotter ball. Which means that if they're and if they're already giving the hotter balls to the better teams, well, they see that everybody uses the same ball. They're just using this to give the batters to make it that more home runs hit. But you're saying only certain games have the hot balls. Only certain games have the hot balls. But aren't the be- the certain games going to be the ones that are like they're yeah. like going to be the already predetermined the by time. the bigger teams? Yeah, so most they're giving of the, time. the bigger teams a higher chance at success. And in, in an essence, yes, and sometimes they do like. The, you know, the Oakland A's will play on Sunday night primetime baseball, and they might, you know, if they're playing the Yankees. But the fact of the matter is that the big rivalries still get the hotter balls. And that's so... How, do, how is this information... How do you know this? I'm not they, like, this is the grapevine. No, this is, this is... But it's not so just the grapevine. Pure, this is like... Theory. Well... This is like speculative this, Yeah, I mean, Jeff... We're not claiming to know no, this. But Jeff Passan, who's the guy who leaks pretty much everything... Who, who is he? He's a, he's, he works for ESPN. He was originally the Yahoo Sports okay. writer. On, he was the so Yahoo like Sports a, like, commissioner. With, yeah, he's the insider. He's he literally the, like, the MLB insider. Like, if you want to know first where everybody's going, like, the first person to know is going to be Jeff Passan. Yeah. Um... Because he's like chummy with all the managers, or what? I, I I honestly I've tried to research it. I don't know how he knows, but he was the coordinator between he was the MLB coordinator for Yahoo Sports, and then he got signed to ESPN, and now he's just the one where if he tweets it, probably okay. probably gonna happen, you know? Yeah. Um. So he's like so a he's hub. the he's one, an yeah, hub. and he's the one that says that this is speculation, like this is this could be happening. Now, one of the reasons that. I do think this is possible, and there's a very good chance is because the MLB is, you know, not above trying to capitalize. But also, in the past, teams... And certainly not. They're making... No. How much is ESPN paying the MLB for broadcasting I don't want to know. I honestly don't want to know. It's insane. Yeah, it's gross. But in the past, 
teams have used baseballs that they either chill in fridges or freezers before bat and just for batting practice. That's not illegal. They'll use hotter balls or colder balls to gain a psychological factor on the other team. So if you use hotter balls, they travel farther. And so they're out here and they're using hotter balls for base for batting practice. And it's like, ha, look at us. We're hitting all these home runs. And then it gets in the pitcher's head. Or they use colder balls and it's like, oh, these guys are absolute crap today. Like they're not hitting anything out of the ballpark. <laughs> this has happened? This this has happened, yeah. They do that. It's, it's, it's all like, because you know, you're out there for hours before a game watching the other team do batting practice. And that's how I think the game of baseball. That's a cool part of baseball because it's psychological. You know what I mean, and that's what half the that's what that's what the the that goes so back how is to that the, ethically different though? How is that ethically different from right. sign stealing? Because because the the what I'm trying to get rid of, what we're trying to what avid baseball fans want to see is the talent. But the thing is, is that the talent also has to do with uh, sign stealing. Yogi Berra also had a famous quote that said, "Baseball." Is, so this doesn't affect talent. Well, this doesn't affect talent because because talent is well, it does affect talent. Balls because, in the fridge. Because talent because talent is also psychological in baseball. Yogi Berra said baseball is ninety percent mental and the other half is physical. Uh huh. And that has rang true through the centuries. The baseball has been around, and it's it's just a fact of the matter that the pitcher is in a psychological battle with the batter, and that's what we want to see. And so when you take away that sign steal, when you put that sign stealing in, you're taking away that psychological battle, because it's a it's guesswork. Half the time that people hit these monster home runs, they're just guessing on the pitch. So if if, if you're on a team and you go into somebody else's stadium and you're watching them do batting practice and you see these guys sucking because they're hitting frozen balls, right? Then you get up there and they're like actually doing better. It's testing your skill set of mental fortitude. Exactly. But if you're getting a message as a batter from your coach who's saying this is going to be a half-speed curveball or whatever. Right. I don't even know what's a thing. Yeah, like 12-6. We'll call it 12. That means yeah, it goes like, straight up and down like on the clock. It's going to be yeah. a 12-6 shot, right? Then that's directly influencing your ability to hit the ball. And also de- 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 your mental fortitude. Right. You're not – like I've been up there facing uh, – 90 plus miles an hour uh-huh. and i mean it is this one of the scariest things that i've ever done like shout yeah, out I'm shout sure. out to you peyton paulette who's now pitching at arkansas you know that's the scariest at bat of my life but there is no like your mental fortitude because he's either going to throw you a 93 mile an hour fastball that you know you can't hit as you know in my age or he's going to throw you a curveball that you're going to be way out in front of because you're trying to hit this 93 mile an hour fastball and there are pitchers with these huge differentials in their pitches. And that, that takes so much to recognize, so much mental fortitude to step up and not, you know, duck out of the batter's box when a curveball is coming right at your head because you think you can't tell that it's a curveball. You think it's, I mean, it's a fastball and you think you're about to get drilled by a 95 mile an hour fastball. So you duck out of the box and next thing you know, it's curving in and it's right down but the middle. But if you know it's a curveball. But if you know it's a curveball, then you're chilling in the box and you're gonna hit it 450 feet into the stands. Cause curveballs are one of the most home run on pitches. Like ahead of the ballpark. Cause they're loopers, you know, if you don't, it's a, it's a trick pitch. Wow. Very interesting. It just, it makes a lot of sense to me that when there's this much money in a sport, then it changes the structure of how the game is played because it's, the game is like only about success. Mm-hmm. And so when you there's enough money in it, you start to think about ways that you can 
bring in other tools to create success for the people that are playing the game. Right. Not just rely on the players. Yeah. Right? Because from, from, a, from a management perspective, right, like, I manage a fair amount of people to do a very specific task. And from a management perspective, you want to take all of the guesswork and you don't want to rely on talent. Because talent is not quantifiable beyond a subjective analysis. Yeah. But if you can influence something externally, or you can set up a process to make everything easier, that's going to result in more success for you at a larger scale. Most definitely. And that it all, it all comes full circle because, like we said, you can just pay the fines. Yeah. Wow. Man... Screw that. I don't yeah. want this to happen to baseball. Mm-mm. I don't even watch baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, you've done a good job convincing me that we shouldn't have sign stealing. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people that don't care, but I think that um, I just don't want to see it turn into a game of titans. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing. Is there anything else from your paper that you want to bring? Any like, closing points that you've got on this? I feel like we've covered. I feel like I've got a really good understanding of it now, and could have like a, a, a real under, a, a good discussion about it with someone. I also think it's just a good place to see how it's a good example of how even external to these places where we think about the primary motivator of of um, success in any industry being money, yeah, right? like sports, where like success is like obviously like money is an easy way to quantify that. Right, like, oh, this team is worth however many millions of dollars in contracts, or they bring in this many millions of dollars in revenue for, you know, for ESPN, who's selling the, the you know, ad rights for the telespace or whatever. But we think about sports, I think, also in, ten- in the sense of, like, you've achieved just a win. Like, winning itself is the thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's why we have so, that's why we have so much fandom and uh, culture around sports that it's about this like kind of tribal feeling which can be really enjoyable I mean we even talked about soccer but soccer is like I think maybe the ultimate example um, the ultimate example of like fandom being being a, an integral part of that sport um, <clears throat> but it makes sense to me that of course when there's enough money in it the structure and the reality of competition is forced to change exactly and i think you asked if i had said anything else i want to say and i I came across one quote and it was zap by zach helfand um who's zach helfand he's a he's a writer for the new yorker and he's a sports writer he's a sports writer i believe and he um interviewed bobby valentine about the sign stealing but what he came to the conclusion is and who's bobby valentine and bobby valentine he's a um manager he's no right you mentioned him mentioned him earlier yeah but what Hellfan said is what we want is for the participants on the field to make decisions and use their own wits to try to compete as best they can. We want to see what people can do on their own in the moment. And when you take out the moment and you're using previous everything, for the avid baseball fan, it no longer becomes fun to watch because it's supposed to be a game, of, like I said, a game of chess in the moment, but it's a game of chess in preparation. Yeah. I'm going to bring up one, let's wrap this up, but the only, the only thing I, I can think of here that maybe challenges this view a little bit is um, the use of like a range finder 
in the game of golf or disc golf, which we'll definitely have to have a disc golf episode. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Because we, we play all the time. Um, but a rangefinder tells you exactly how far away you are from your target. And it, that is the main, in ball golf or traditional golf, right, or just golf, mm-hmm. that is how you decide which club you're using. Right. Does that, do you think that is in the same line as this? Because before rangefinders, golf was still played. But now it's an accepted tool that everyone uses. And the caddies are getting, oh, I don't, the caddies aren't saying, oh, I think we're 250 yards away. They're saying we're 211 yards away with a 4% slope incline. Yeah. Do you think that depurifies or somehow muddies the water of competition? Because all it's doing is giving them more data on how they need to hit the shot. So Which is I, theoretically the same thing as sign stealing. Right. Theoretically. But here's the thing. I think that if you had a club that had a computer in it that told you, like, swing at this angle on the ball in order to hit it that far, then we'd be crossing into that. But... That's the, not what's happening in baseball. Right, it's though. not... Well, so I don't, I don't think it's the same. I, I, I think that there's a little bit of a difference in that because that they still have to hit the shot that far. And, and, and it just doesn't seem, I don't know how to explain this. I think I found a place to challenge you. Yeah, that's maybe. good. I mean, I, I think I agree with you that in to some extent, because baseball is a, because baseball is a team sport where you're facing off against another person, I think that's the difference. Because golf is just about understanding the game well enough to be able to execute very specific things by yourself with nothing interfering with you. Right. Right? And the more data you can get, the more that goes into the skill set which is of mental, mentally approaching a course and playing a round of golf. Right. And being able to score. I think with baseball, especially with sign stealing, you are you are manipulating the action of another person yeah. to a level that that's not happening in, in No, golf. you're not manipulating the action, but you're you're cushioning the impact of someone's that's action. Better, yeah. With the with the with the You're sign taking stealing. away the mystery. With golf, it's not it's it's a different it's a single, a singular sport. But you are right in that they overlap and that you're taking away the mystery. Like, you're taking away the the knowledge. Yeah. I don't know. I think we should definitely follow up on that after you have a little bit more time thinking. But yeah. But that was fascinating. Thank yeah. you for all the information. No problem. All right. Well, um, that's episode one of, of uh, Wait, Say That Again. Wait, say I think that I again. said that a couple of times. Probably. Maybe at least once. Hopefully. Um, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Most definitely.